From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. And we welcome you to another edition of Open Line Tuesday here on EWTN, the program that has a different host every day. And because today is Tuesday, we are very glad to welcome back our, our very own Father Wade Menezes. How are you, Padre? I'm doing great, Tom, and thank you for pitch hitting there for uh, Jack as he's uh, off uh, today, for, I believe, possibly for an early Thanksgiving travel. I believe uh, that's correct. Yeah, so thank you so much for filling in for him. Absolutely. Let me give you that phone number because uh, phone lines do tend to fill up very early on Tuesdays. 833-288-EWTN is that number, 833 833- 288-3986. If you're listening outside of North America, please dial 1 and then 205-271-2985. You can always send us an email. The address for that, openline at EWTN.com. Be sure that you put either Tuesday or a Father Wade in the subject line. And here we are, Father. We're uh, knocking on the door of Thanksgiving once again, and you have compiled a wonderful list of things to be thankful for, not only in the the secular life, but also in the religious life, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I made up a couple of lists here that uh, uh, by looking at multiple lists, and I picked out the things that seem to be the most popular, both secularly and religiously speaking, when it comes to things we are thankful for. And so I want to go through those two lists, and I want to invite our Open Line Tuesday listeners live this very hour, Tom, whether they're driving, pullovers first, of course, and make your phone call, or make sure your hand's free on your phone call. Or maybe they're watching live on our EWTN Radio Facebook feed, or they're watching live on the EWTN YouTube feed. Uh, They can put their comments in the sidebar, of course. But I want to know what our live listeners this hour are thankful for, whether secularly or religiously. I've got two great lists here compiled from my research of other things, secular and religious, from a Catholic worldview for the religious list, for purposes of this show. And uh, they're just great lists, and so I thought I'd just comb through these and inspire our live listeners this hour, Tom, to uh, to call in or to write in and tell us what they themselves are thankful for. So the right. top 20 things to be thankful for in life, both secular and religious. Now, the secular list first. From your family to your first house to the transportation you have to take you to your job each day, this list is made up of all the big secular things that people are very thankful for. And it's, it's, it's a good list. It's a nice list. Uh, I have a comment at the end of it, though, to make, and, and I'll get to that shortly. But number one is family. Number two is close friends. Number three, good health. Number four, home, especially one's first home purchased. That's certainly something to be thankful for. Number five, a job. Number six, healthy food. Number seven is education received. Number eight is pets. Number eight on the list is pets. And I want to give a shout out, I believe, Tom, to two cats that you and Adrienne have, Dottie and Carmella. Yes, yes. (laughs) Named Named after our mothers. 
Well, there you, there you go. There you go. How beautiful is that? To honor your moms, who I'm sure loved pets as well. Oh, yes. You know? Yes. And then uh, our producer, Michael McCall, he told me before the show began that he and his wife and son have two cats, Boots and Cosme. Uh, it was originally Cosmo when they thought it was a male, but then when they found out Cosmo was really female, they, they changed the name to Cosme. So a <laughs> shout out as well to, to Boots and Cosme. And my Dear friend Nadine out in California, I'll give a shout out to her two cats, Izzy and Puffer as well. Ooh, How about that? Yeah. So, so th- th- that's this is something to mention. All these cats, uh, given the the very end of Doctor Anders' uh, uh, our show this last hour, that last question about a papal bull that had to do with cats, yeah. but interesting nonetheless. So a, a, a shout out to all these great pets. Number nine on the list is a good night's sleep. Boy, I can vouch for that one. Mm, yeah. Number 10, the seasons and the changing of seasons. How beautiful is that? Number 11 is financial savings. Very thankful for financial savings. Number 12, weekends, especially three- and four-day weekends, Tom. Yes, yes. <laughs> Number 13 is fresh air. Number 14 is we're thankful for transportation, especially one's dependable vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 15 is clean water. Number 16, technology. Number 17, a good book. I'm all for that. Number 18, art. Number 19, great teachers. And number 20, modern healthcare. Now, as great as this list is, and I really think it is a great list of secular things that we're thankful for, uh, interestingly, Tom, faith or personal faith did not make the list because faith can also be something that's more secular as opposed to something just strictly, strictly religious, you know? So I I found it interesting that it did not make the list. Made me think of Luke 18.8 when we read, when the Son of Man comes again, will he find faith on earth, huh? So there you go, though, a a great list of some secular things that we're thankful for. Uh, And so now, some faith-based things to be thankful for, again, from a Catholic worldview. Uh, From the seven sacraments to solid Catholic podcasts, we have this list. Number one, simply, my Catholic faith. How beautiful is that? Number two, the seven sacraments in general, just the seven sacraments, the seven ordinary channels to God's sanctifying grace in the individual's life body and soul. Number three, the most holy Eucharist. How appropriate is that for the three-year Eucharistic revival? Number four, holy mass. Number five, confession. Number six, godchildren, huh? Both baptismal godchildren and confirmation godchildren. And I was a, a new godfather this past Sunday there in Homewood, oh, Alabama. Really? To, yes, to little William Joseph Wilson, who's the new uh, born baby boy, to Joseph and Taylor Wilson. Taylor works for EWTN Publishing, so I'm very honored that they asked me to be the godfather. And a shout out to the godmother, uh, Lauren Price, from Hansville, Alabama. Uh, let's see here. Number seven is Lexi Divina, that is, meditative reading of sacred scripture. Of course, Lexio Divina should be high on the list in the top ten. Number eight, the lives of the saints and the three states of the church, that is, the church triumphant, the church militant, and the church suffering. Number nine, my family members, meaning one's natural family members. Number ten, my family members in religious life family, huh? My confreres here at the Fathers of Mercy, for example, very thankful for each mm. and every one of them. Yes. Number 11, my friends secular, and number 12, my friends clerical and consecrated religious friends, huh? With their own religious families. Number 13, that my Catholic faith 
teaches me to live in such a way that is eternity-minded, mm. always with a view for salvation. Now, a spoiler alert, that is our topic for the last Tuesday of November next week, the importance of living eternity-minded, and the fact that Holy Mother Church, the Bride of Christ, and her Bridegroom, Jesus Christ himself, call us to live in such a way that is eternity-minded, that is with a view toward salvation. Number 14 is the virtues, knowing what to strive for in life to grow in holiness. Number 15, Love this one, beautiful church architecture. Yes. Number 16, God's outdoor cathedral, that is the great outdoors. I affectionately call it the God's outdoor cathedral. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love eastern Tennessee, for example, when I do some whitewater rafting each summer, and I I think of God's outdoor cathedral, quote, end quote, every time I'm out in that beautiful part of the United States. Number 17, EWTN, all platforms. How about that, Tom? Number 18, great Catholic podcasts and websites. Number 19, great Catholic books. And number 20, beautiful Catholic art. So there you go, the top 20 things to be thankful for in life, both secularly and religiously speaking. Uh, We gave you a secular list and a religious list from a Catholic worldview of our Catholic faith, our one holy Catholic and apostolic faith. If you're listening live this hour, please give us a call or write in in the sidebar of our Facebook site or our YouTube live site of what you are thankful for. Maybe one thing in each list. Give us a secular thing you are thankful for and a secular and a religious thing you are thankful for. And I might even add them to next year's list if I give these topics again next year around Thanksgiving. So uh, while we still have a few moments here before the break, uh, lest I forget to say this, and Tom, I'm sure you're with me on this, we wish all of you a very blessed and, and happy and holy Thanksgiving. Yes. And may you and your loved ones who are traveling reach all of your destinations in safety. So give us a call. Tell us what you are thankful for either from a secular vein or a religious vein. Uh, Maybe you're not Catholic. Maybe you want to call in and still give us something uh, in the religious worldview that you are thankful for. We'd love to hear from you as well. So give us a call or write in in the sidebar uh, at our live Facebook feed, at EWTN Radio's Facebook feed, or EWTN's YouTube feed, and let us know what you are thankful for. Love to talk with you this afternoon at 833-288-EWTN. Uh, Father has done it again. He's, he's beaten David Letterman by the, by the power of four here. Actually, 40. You've come up with 20 plus 20. That is, uh, that is the best list I've ever seen. Again, our phone number, 833-288-3986. In a moment, we're going to be talking with Mike in Harrisburg, PA. Also, Judy in Bakersfield, California. Linda in Dubuque, Iowa. We have two lines open. Snag one right now. Talk with Father Wade at 833 833- 288-EWTN, 833-288-3986. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's one 833 Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes of the Fathers of Mercy here to take those calls at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. 
288-3986. We'll get to the phones in just a second. Let me tell you about this new book now available from EWTN Publishing, Rejoicing in Our Hope, Meditations for the Advent and Christmas Seasons by our friend Bishop Robert Baker. He shares stories and reflections on sacred scripture, the saints, popes, other famous individuals that provide hope and inspiration for the Advent and Christmas seasons. These brief power-packed meditations include penetrating daily questions for reflection and action. And they also offer a prayer for each day while lighting the Advent candle or the Christ candle. Do check out this new book. It's available right now at EWTNRC.com, Rejoicing in Our Hope, Meditations for the Advent and Christmas Seasons by Bishop Robert Baker. Again, EWTNRC.com, buy Catholic, shop Catholic, EWTNRC.com. If you're ready now, let's go to the phones at 833-288-EWTN. We begin with Judy in Bakersfield, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Hey, Judy, what's on your mind today? Well, um, I wanted to say that I um, am thankful for so many blessings in my life. Um, Beautiful. I was born a cradle Catholic, and I had fallen away from the faith. Um, however, during uh, the beginning, early stages of COVID, I was just randomly watch, trying to find something on television to watch, and I ran across mother angelica Mm. and i have to say that she caught she hooked me right away and i have ever since then just been so happy with my faith and coming back to the church and getting my family more involved and it's just been a blessing and honestly i have to say mother angelica and ewtn well, beautiful. When you say Mother Angelica, do you mean a specific episode of a program you saw with her on it, or have you been reading some of the books out now in her life? Uh, can you be a little more it specific was, about how it was Mother Angelica? Yes. Um, I, actually, I was just scrolling through things on the television, something mm. to watch, and I was actually on YouTube, and I just ran across one of her classics, one of the shows that she oh, yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Very popular. And yeah. I can't say... Yeah, and I can't say specifically because it's been so long and I've seen so many since, but um, that's what happened. Well, beautiful, beautiful, Judy. Thank you so much for your call from Bakersfield. I'm born and raised in the Modesto area, so uh, not too far there from Bakersfield, a couple hours at least. But uh, thank you so much. I'll be given a parish mission in Turlock, California, the first full week of December. Uh, It begins on, uh, let's see here, it begins on... Uh, the 4th, excuse me, Sunday night the 3rd, and it runs all the way through Thursday night the 7th. So the 3rd through the 7th, a five-night parish mission at Our Lady Assumption Parish in Turlock, California. Looking forward to that and looking forward to serving Father Isaac Machado and his parishioners. Thank you so much, Judy, for a great uh, phone call and a great witness phone call, I might add. Thank you. Thanks so much, Judy. That opens up a line for you right now at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833 833- 288-3986. We have two lines open right now. Here's Mike in Harrisburg, PA, listening on the Great Holy Family Radio. Hello, Mike. What's on your mind today, sir? Hi, hi guys. How you doing? Happy Thanksgiving. I'm very thankful for uh, Saturday Night Mass, because I do work some weekends. And I just okay. got to ask the question, uh, when did Saturday Night Mass start in the Church, and, 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 and how long and why? Okay, great. Well, that's a great question. Uh, you want to simper distinguish, always distinguish when you want to ask a question like that, because 
there's really two facets to the answer. First of all, actually, in about the first century, <laughs> oh. did, the, did the vigil mass begin, and it was firmly in place by the late third century, but only for the evening vigil times of major feasts and solemnities like Christmas and especially Easter with the Easter Vigil. In fact, it began with the Easter Vigil. That's when it all began. Um, and it also kind of has a tie to, the, to our Jewish roots um, in regards to celebrating vigils the night before, etc. We see the day beginning not at dawn, but at sunset the night before. And until this day, for example, the Liturgy of the Hours begins the praying of Sunday Vespers 1 on Saturday evening as a vigil. And so we see that as well. Huh? Now, Vatican II did start allowing um, the actual uh, Saturday night Mass on a, on a regular basis, on a regular basis. And so that's important to know that part as well. And there is a document, I believe it's paragraph um, number 28, uh, on, on the uh, uh, Saturday night vigil. Uh, I'm looking it up here right now. Holy Days During Obligation. Uh, Holy Days of Obligation, Saturday Night Vigil Mass. Um, well, I missed it. Right, I, I missed it. I had it up, but I, I missed it. I'll, uh -oh, I'll find it uh -oh. during the next break, and we'll 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 give you a quote for that. But it's definitely paragraph number twenty-eight. I remember seeing that in the feed. So great question. So Vatican II permitted it on a more regular basis, but it dates back to the first century with the major feasts, especially of the Easter Vigil itself and of Christmas. Mike, we're glad that that works with your work schedule. Thank you so much uh, for your call from Harrisburg. It's uh, Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade here on EWTN. Two lines open at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Let's go hey, to... D yes, sir. Father. Uh, Tom, here's the documents. Oh. It's Eucharisticum Mysterium. Ah. Uh, they can find it at the Vatican website, vatican.va. Again, Eucharisticum Mysterium from May 25th, 1967, and it's paragraph 28 talking about the permitting of the Saturday Night Vigil Mass on a regular basis. Fantastic. Great question. Thank that you is. so much. Absolutely. Let's go to Linda now in Dubuque, Iowa, listening on the EWTN app. Linda, what's on your mind today? Hi. Uh, I feel like my question kind of dovetails off that. Uh, well, first of all, I want to say I'm uh, very grateful for my faith. I was born with two very um, faithful Catholic parents who just raised me in the faith in um I've never left. I, I cherish my faith, mm. and EWTN definitely has been very edifying to me. Beautiful. You, Father Wade, and just all the programs. So, um, my question is <laughs> because I know this is going to come up with my children, um, my adult children, uh, this Christmas. So, Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, Christmas Day is on a Monday. How is that going to work with the? Um, attending Mass. Uh, if we attend Mass, we typically go to an evening Mass, like 4 o'clock in the evening on Christmas Eve. So will that fulfill No, it's two Christmas different liturgical... Great, great question. Two different liturgical days. So you're going to want to fulfill the Sunday obligation, either at the Saturday night vigil or on the Sunday itself during the day, morning up to the day, okay? And then you'll have the Christmas Mass, which is a holy day of obligation itself, just like every Sunday is a holy day of obligation. And you'll have the option of going to the vigil Mass for Christmas, 
Um, mass at night, formerly known as midnight mass, but it can be held like at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, or the vigil earlier in the day, like 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock, as you said. Um, you, can have the, you can go to the vigil on Sunday evening. You can go to the mass at night, which is still technically Saturday evening, uh, Sunday evening, but very late. Mm-hmm. Or you can go on the Christmas day itself to fulfill the Holy Day of Obligation. So the same pattern for the Sunday Mass, the 24th. You can go to the Saturday night vigil Mass on the 23rd, um, or any uh, morning to midday Mass on the 24th Sunday, but then uh, you'll have the second Holy Day of Obligation uh, being Christmas itself. And I say second Holy Day of Obligation because the Sunday on the 24th is also a Holy Day of Obligation. Mm -hmm. Every Sunday is. Mm -hmm. So it's just a a mirrored pattern of those two Holy Days of Obligation. Great question. Thank you so much, Leah. We really appreciate it. Does that make sense to you, Linda? Yes, it does. Uh, So basically, um, going to Mass later in the day on Sunday, you know, typically that fulfills your Sunday obligation, but in this case, it, it won't. It will be fulfilling your Christmas obligation. Uh, well, you're asking another great question, Linda, for a clarification question, as a clarification question. It depends on the parish. So let's say the parish normatively has a 5 p.m. Sunday evening Mass to fulfill the Sunday obligation, because it's a college town. It's a college town, and so you often see parishes in college or university towns have Sunday evening masses. So let's say your parish is one of those, and it has a 5 o'clock mass. You'll have to find out from the parish to see what the pastor decided to do with that 5 o'clock mass. Will it indeed be for the Sunday proper, December 24th calendar day, or will he usurp that fact and make the regularly scheduled 5 o'clock mass that particular Sunday, and only that Sunday, will he make it? Will he allow it to be the vigil, and thus be the proper readings for the vigil of Christmas at that five o'clock mass? So it's really a question of casuistry mm. as far as what the particular evening Sunday mass is going to be. That that that's up to that pastor of that particular parish, and that's where you'll have to do your homework to find out what your particular parish is doing. But as far as your initial question, the two days, the Sunday proper. December 24th, and the Christmas Day proper, Monday the 25th, they have mirrored patterns in regards to their attendance. And what I mean by a mirrored pattern is that each of them, the Sunday proper and the Christmas Day Monday proper, each of them will have a vigil. Uh, Each of them will have the daytime masses and the morning masses. And the Christmas itself will also have an even later mass known as Mass at Night. Linda, thanks so much for your call, and a little shout-out to all church musicians, like my, yeah. my, my sweetheart, Adrienne. Uh, every, every seven years or so, it's uh, kind of a rough weekend, uh, but she goes, goes through it with a smile, just like a trooper that she is. Yeah, that's so, right. It's a tough one there. Leah is listening to us in Michigan on the great Ave Maria radio. Leah, what's on your mind today? Yes, thank you for taking my call. Sure. I just wanted to say that as... Um, Christians, I don't think we should separate our thanks for secular things and for the church things, because I believe everything that we have, even the secular things that we're thankful for, are all from God, because nothing under heaven happens without His permission. And so everything that He's given us, whether it's secular or from the church, is all from Him and His providence. Yeah, that's very true. That's a very good point uh, to make, but there are still the different categories, you know, and that's something to take into account, too. You know, uh, she makes a very good point mm-hmm. uh, in that, Dan- is, are we talking to Daniela? Uh, Leah. 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 
Uh, Leah, you make a great point because we do have our cars blessed. We do have the sacred heart enthronement of the home. We do uh, bless our meals before we eat them. And hopefully when we're done eating them, we give a blessing of Thanksgiving following the meal. Um, We can bless a sports stadium. We can bless fishing gear. There's close to uh, 250 to 270 blessings inside the Roman Book of Blessings. Wow. Uh, And you can find even additional blessings beyond that particular primary source. Um, So in in that sense, you are correct. But um, at the same time, we can be thankful for things purely secular, and we can be thankful for things purely religious, especially regarding the Catholic faith and the Catholic worldview. Great. Thank you so much. Leah, thanks so much uh, for your call today. In a moment, we'll be talking with Polly in Franklin County, Missouri. A couple lines open for you if you have a question for Father Wade, 833-288-EWTN. Maybe you'd like to tell us what you're thankful for, 833 3986 for Open Line Tuesday. Stay with us. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hey, if you're just tuning in, it is Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes here on EWTN Radio. Our phone number 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Father, uh, today the Church uh, is uh, talking about the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, right? Yeah, that's right. On this November 21st, we celebrate as a memorial every year on the Church's universal calendar, the memorial of the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary in the Temple. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Mm. And today we celebrate just that, that the fact that her parents, St. Joachim and St. Anne, presented her in the Temple. Now, it's not a scripturally-based feast, but it's from the Proto-Evangelium of James and other apocryphal literature. We know that Mary was likely presented in the Temple of Jerusalem around age three and lived there in dedication to God until around age 14, when she would have been betrothed to Joseph. Even from this incredibly young age, huh, Mary exhibited perfect obedience to the Lord, to the law, and to her parents, vowing her devotion and virginity for life. God's plan for the Virgin Mary predates all of creation, but it was still the Blessed Mother's own free choice to cooperate with his will, and it was her yes, her fiat, her let it be, huh, that fulfilled the Lord's plan for salvation. So let us rejoice in the fiat of Mary, which enabled Christ to fulfill his miraculous sacred incarnation in her womb and save all of creation in his passion, death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven, known collectively those four events as his paschal mystery. We call on Mary's motherly intercession to grant us perfect obedience and fidelity in our own families as we strive to cooperate with God's sublime will, just as she did so perfectly herself and gave us an example of. Indeed, Tom, Mary is the perfect model of obedience of faith. Maybe this is why the Byzantine liturgy sings so beautifully on this feast day of the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary in the temple these words, quote, O Virgin Mother of God, you are the subject of the preaching of the prophets and the glory of the apostles. You are the pride of the martyrs and the cause of the renewal of the entire human race. For through you, we have been reconciled with God. Wherefore, we honor your entrance into the temple of the Lord, repeating to you the salutation of the angel Gabriel. For we are saved through your intercession, O most honorable one, mm. end quote. And St. Francis de Sales tells us, I, I, the, the beautiful image here, Tom, he says, the heavens opened up and the whole choir of angels leaned over the balustrades of the heavenly Jerusalem oh. 
to see and admire this darling child. Wow. What a beautiful image that is. It is. is. And so let us daily seek Mary's intercession and, and join her in offering ourselves to the Lord, because that's precisely what she did. And so we say, Immaculate Mary, pray for us. Amen. And Amen. one final note, one final note, the, this memorial, by the way, really is very long-standing. It was celebrated at least as early as the 6th century that we know of for certain, and has been celebrated continuously in the Eastern churches ever since. And in the Western church, the feast has had a less consistent history, like pockets of customary celebrations mm-hmm. in certain geographical locations, mm-hmm. periods of being on and off the liturgical calendar. But since the 1580s, Tom, the whole of the church, both East and West, has celebrated this beautiful memorial of the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary in the temple by her parents. So we say, Our Lady of the Presentation, pray for us. Pray for us. Wow. All right, it is Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade here on EWTN. A couple lines open for you if you have a question for Father Wade, or maybe you'd like to tell us uh, what you are thankful for as we are, um, you know, knocking on Thanksgiving's door here. Our phone number, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Hey, our friends at Siouxland Catholic Radio in Iowa need to hear from you next week. They're airing their Advent Pledge Drive. That's going to be next Tuesday through Thursday. So if you're listening in Sioux City or Storm Lake or anywhere, please support your EWTN Catholic Radio Station. All right, back to the phones now for Polly in Franklin County, Missouri, listening on the Great Covenant Network. Hello, Polly. What's on your mind today, Polly? There's a gigantic problem among the people that I love, and every time I'm tempted to worry, I say, thank you, God, for what you're doing that I can't see. So that's what I'm thankful for, what he's doing that I can't see. And what a beautiful statement of faith that is, Polly, Uh, just a beautiful statement of faith, to be thankful for how God is working in the background of things you may not see or know or understand, and still having faith and trust in Him. So beautiful, beautiful. Thanks, Polly. Here is Charlie, now a first-time caller. I hope I get this right. Waxhaw, North Carolina, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Charlie, what's on your mind today? Hi. uh, First, I'm thankful for your show, for Father Wade, and for all the priests like him who tell the truth, the Orthodox faith. I'm very thankful for that. Well, thank you. Thank you, Charlie. We really appreciate that. You're welcome. In trying to reach uh, the level of contemplative prayer, which some of us can never reach, and to pray to reach that level of prayer... Uh, it's it's fine to pray for the level of prayer that God wills to draw you to, uh, but you yourself should not be seeking out the illuminative way per se. It's okay to want to strive towards that, but you shouldn't want to seek it out per se as your end-all, end-all. You want God to work with you at the speed that he knows is proper for you, huh? And he guides you according to that method. This is according to the great spiritual masters, and not only the great spiritual masters, but the great different spirituality schools, like the Carmelite school or the Dominican school or the Benedictine school. So uh, we should not want to pray on our own, Lord, help me get to the illuminative way. That would not be proper. We want God guide me to the level that you desire me to achieve in my prayer life. That's what's important. God knows where he wants to take you, and if you 
lead your, if you lead yourself, see, the prior way is leading yourself. You're kind of usurping God's authority in that lead. Uh, you're telling God right up front the degree that you want to achieve. And that, that's not really the intent of prayer. The intent of prayer is thy will be done as opposed to my will be done. Yes. We, we don't pray, give me this day my daily bread and forgive me my trespasses. We pray, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. So we, we're asking him to work on us okay, rather than we ourselves leading the way. But you, but you make a good point. I want to urge you to go to fathersofmercy.com, and on the search bar at the homepage, once you click on the magnifying, cla- magnifying glass, just put in how to discern if God is speaking to you, and you'll see uh, a, a blog that I did, six main, main points on how to discern if God is speaking to you and if you are properly discerning his will. These are just some general principles to discover, uh, to consider, excuse me, some general principles to consider. So, for example, the idea that you're having or which has been presented to you, in a, is it in accord with sacred scripture as upheld by both sacred tradition and the magisterium of the church? Does the idea come to you while praying? Uh, does the idea involve an element of faith, and at the same time, does it strengthen your faith, et cetera, et cetera? So a total of six points. I shared with you the first two. Uh, there are a total of six points on how to discern if God is speaking to you and if you are properly discerning his will. So again, fathersofmercy.com, uh, at the homepage that comes up when you type in that address, click on the magnifying glass, a search bar comes up in the center of the homepage, and just type in the word discerning God's will or how to discern God's will, and that blog of six points comes up. Thank you, Charlie, for listening to Open Line Tuesday. We enjoyed having you as a caller today, and thanks for a great question. Appreciate that, Charlie. And once again, the website, fathersofmercy.com. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade here on EWTN. Allie is a first-time caller. Ellie, rather. Ellie in Dallas, listening on the great Guadalupe Radio, AM 910. Hello, Ellie. What's on your mind today? Hi. Happy Tuesday. Thank you for taking my call. I was just calling to say that I'm very grateful for my three daughters, and we just found out we're having another baby. And whether it's more a girl, I'm so, so, so thankful for them. Ah. Well, beautiful. What a great mom comment. And so we congratulate you, Allie, uh, and your three girls and, and the baby you are carrying, who is already with you uh, in the womb, but already here. And also congratulations to your husband as well. Thanks for a great witness call. We appreciate you. are thankful for your three children and the ones that is already here that you are currently carrying. God bless you and your husband both. Thanks, Ellie. Keep listening to Guadalupe Radio there in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, a great radio station. A couple of uh, quick shout-outs here, Father. We heard from Michael P. uh, watching us on YouTube this afternoon. Michael P. says, I am most thankful for the Most Holy Eucharist. Beautiful. And also Barbara watching on YouTube says, "Thankful, thankful for our musicians at church. And you know these folks... They work so hard. Yeah. To, especially, know, especially during the busy liturgical seasons like you intimated earlier. Today. Well, I mean, absolutely, because it, they're, they're not just gra- grabbing random hymns. They're right. looking for music that ties in with the Psalms. They're using music that ties in with the gospel and what's going on in each different liturgical season. They work very hard. Absolutely. So, total uh, total respect there for that. It's uh, Open Line Tuesday here on EWTN. Let's go to, I believe we're ready for Barbara. Barbara is in uh, St. Augustine, Florida, listening on YouTube. Barbara, what's on your mind today? Well, hello, Father Wade, and I want to thank you for everything that you do. Uh, absolutely. My, I have a twin brother. We were adopted together, 
and he is living with a younger girl uh, who, and she's now pregnant, and obviously I don't approve of that part. Uh, she, the part I don't approve of is that she does not believe in God. Um, and so I was evangelizing to her and pretty strongly and all biblical and reasoning, and, <clears throat> and I found that I was push, pushed her away. So instead, uh, you know, I read this, you know, uh, your task is to love, to forgive, and to pray for them and turn them over to me, Christ, um, and let him, and let the Lord do the, do the rest of it. It's just, but, you know, the little song came in my head, that they know we are Christian, but they know we are Christians, but our love sorrows are not saying for the reason. Uh, but uh, what do you suggest? I mean, besides prayer, uh, but just continue showing kindness and support of. And an, an invitation, an, an invitation, Barbara. You know, for example, we have the beautiful Christmas liturgies coming up. It would be a wonderful thing to extend an invitation to your to your twin brother and his uh, cohabitating girlfriend uh, to come to Mass, to hopefully uh, be inspired by the beauty of the liturgy, um, and then you know discuss with them following the Mass at Christmas time. You know, you know what do they feel? You can explain the different parts of the Mass to them. Remember, too, that while you are called to be an evangelizer, you're not their Savior. Jesus Christ is their Savior. You are their prayer warrior. You're right about that, as Mm. you've been doing. You're also their evangelizer, and you're right about that. In fact, you said the word evangelize. I've been evangelizing them, and I've been praying for them. So continue that, but maybe think more along the lines of actual invitation— Maybe a dinner at your home on the first Sunday of Advent with the, the, the table decorated for Advent with a violet tablecloth. Um, maybe uh, the, the Advent wreath as the centerpiece of the table with the four candles. Explain Advent. Maybe have a prayer pre-printed out at each table setting and in, invite them to say the prayer with you as, as a group seated at the table. So, you know, baby steps. You don't want to overwhelm. You do not want to overwhelm them. Uh, you don't want to take the baseball bat method to them. That could drive them away even further. I'm a big advocate of baby steps. I'm a big advocate of invitation, and I'm a big advocate of setting by example. So those three things is what I would recommend along along those lines. And remember, you, you're right in that you don't want to drive them away. You could be the only really solid Christian example they have in the immediate family or, mm. or in, uh, even amongst their friendship yeah. uh, circle as well. You could be the only one amongst family and friends that could be that, that avenue for them, that avenue of grace. So uh, pray about ways that, are in, that come to you intuitively through your prayer. Ask for guidance. Uh, pray to their patron saints by their first names, even if they're not baptized. I, I presume your twin brother's baptized. I don't know if his live-in girlfriend is baptized or not, but still, if she has a saint that she's named after, unbeknownst to her, pray to their saints. Also, not only prayer, but also fasting huh, is very, very powerful. Uh, prayers of deliverance to release them of their bond that they might be in, that uh, bondage they may, may, they may be in that is keeping them from being open to the grace of God. It could, be a, it could be a bond of lust. We don't know. It led them to cohabitation, right? So pray prayers of deliverance that laity can pray on behalf of other persons. That coupled with, with uh, the, that type of prayer and also fasting, invitation, uh, setting by example, 
and involvement, involving them like at a meal or inviting them to Mass. So different intuitive ways will come to you, and write those down as they come to you. Uh, maybe a, a book of the lives of the saints, a good short condensed version of the lives of the saints for your brother for Christmas, for your twin brother, and s- write something very simple on the inside front cover like, brother, may this, may this short condensed version of the lives of the saints inspire you as it has inspired me to one day return to your Catholic faith of baptism. I love you so much, love sister. That's it. Let the book speak for itself. Let, let these, this great daily reader on the lives of the saints speak for itself. Just write that short little note on the inside front cover that made the, the lives of these saints inspire you to one day return to your faith of baptism. Something simple like that, right? Mm, yeah. So always by invitation and, and, and uh, pray for them as you are, evangelize like you are, but uh, think of new ways of evangelizing that involve invitation. Great question. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it, Barbara, calling from St. Augustine, Florida today. God bless you, Barbara. Thank you so much for your care and concern and your love for your, your brother and his girlfriend. It is Open Line Tuesday here on EWTN. If you've written to our show in the recent past, perhaps you've written to Father Wade, maybe you've written to uh, Father Mitch Pacwa. We've got a great mailbag cooked up for you tomorrow at the same time, 3 p.m. Eastern right here on EWTN Radio, where Father Mitch uh, jumps into the mailbag and answers some fantastic questions. Now, uh, Father, you've come up with some wonderful quotes regarding the whole topic of thanks, right? Yeah, on giving thanksgiving to God, quote-unquote. I can't get any more direct than that. Psalm 136, So give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who alone does great wonders, for His steadfast love endures forever, we give Him thanks. Colossians 3 from the New Testament, Whatever you do, whether in speech or in action... Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God, the Father, through him. Psalm 105, back to the Old Testament, the book of Psalms. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Make known among the peoples his deeds and invoke his name. Judith chapter 8, in spite of everything, let us give thanks to the Lord our God, who is putting us to the test as he did our forefathers. Huh? Sirach 39, the just man will pour forth his words in wisdom and in prayer give thanks to the Lord God Almighty, who will direct his knowledge and his counsel as he meditates upon his mysteries day and night. Psalm 9, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will tell of all thy wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O most high God. Psalm 33, again, a lot of these are from the book of Psalms, Tom. Give thanks to the Lord on the harp, on the ten-stringed lyre. Offer him constant praise. Sing to God a new song. Skillfully play with joyful chant. Psalm 92, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness in the night. I'm huh? mm. praying all day long there. Huh? Yeah. First, First Chronicles 16, give thanks to the Lord, invoke his name, make known among the nations his marvelous deeds, sing to him, sing his praise, proclaim his wondrous deeds, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his kindness endures forever. Psalm 111, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and the angels and saints, In the congregation, I will give him praise. And Psalm 118, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Open to me, O Lord, the gates of holiness, so that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. 
the righteous shall enter through it. And Isaiah 12, Tom, and this is by no means an exhaustive list, Uh on that day you will say, I give you thanks, O Lord, though you have been angry with me, your anger has now abated, and you have consoled me profoundly. God indeed is my Savior, I am confident and unafraid. My strength and my courage is the Lord, and he has been my Savior. Give thanks then to the Lord God Almighty, acclaim his name, Among the nations make known his deeds and proclaim how exalted is his name. There you go, some scripture passages on giving thanks to Almighty God. And a very powerful list it is, too. Reuben just checked in on YouTube. Reuben says, I am thankful to the Lord for his love for me all my life and also for my wife and family. I'm sure that res- yeah, that's got to resonate with a lot of people. Uh, Reed, also checking in on YouTube this afternoon, uh, Reed says, what is the strongest prayer against the devil, Father Wade? Repeat the question again, I'm sorry? Yeah, what is the strongest prayer against the devil? Well, you know, in, in tradition, I would say the St. Michael the Archangel prayer is mm. probably the most popular, and uh-huh. I would put it on a very, very high on the list of one of the most powerful prayers. Uh, you can also uh, check some Catholic authors, um, Fa- Father Chad Ripperger, um, Father um, Stephen Rossetti. Uh, these are actual bona fide exorcists who have put out different books that in the back of these books have prayers of deliverance um, that that even the laity can pray. In other words, they're prayers apart from the official minor and major exorcism rites that priests carry out with the uh, permission of their bishop once a case has been uh, judged to be indeed one that that requires an exorcism, at least an attempted exorcism. Uh, but But these books like this, they often have prayers for the laity to pray pray as well, uh, prayers of what are called prayers of deliverance. And so uh, laity and clerics and consecrated religious men and women can pray prayers of deliverance, Mm. but for the actual exorcism rites themselves, both major and minor, that is duly set aside for... uh, a priest or a bishop who okay. is a priest uh, to pray those over the individual. Very good. Uh, Jenny in Michigan, listening on Holy Family Radio, says, Father, why were seven books taken out of the Bible? I'd be very thankful if you could tell me. Well, at the time of the Protestant Reformation, the seven Deuter- deuterocanonical books were taken out, deemed not worthy of the official canon, which comes to us from the Council of Carthage in 397 AD. This really issues forth the, 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 the truth and reality of the importance of a magisterial body, and we call that the, the, the College of Bishops in union with the head of the office of Peter. You know, Matthew 16, 18, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Uh, what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, what you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So not only in regards to sin, but also in regards to um, magisterial pronouncements and proclamations. And so this is uh, important to see in a, in a case like this, when in the 1500s, through the Protestant Reformation, we see uh, seven books constantly held in the canon of Scripture, all of a sudden done away with. And the same with the book of James as well in the New Testament. So um, it's very telling. And and it's beautiful to read about the Council of Carthage in 397, which decided on the canon of Scripture that we hold as Catholic Christians. Great question. Sure is. Uh, John, watching on Facebook this afternoon, says, what is greater, mercy or love? Oh, that's a great question. 
you know what John Paul II says in Divis and Misericordia, his encyclical, the highest level of a papal document is the encyclical with its authoritative teaching from the Holy Father. Divis and Misericordia by John Paul II. John Paul II, now saint, says, uh, mercy is who God is. It's love's second name. In other words, John Paul is equating them, huh? Mercy and love. Mm. The question is, which is greater, mercy or love? John Paul's equating them. He says this, mercy is who God is. It's love's second name. God is more interested in our future than in our past. He's more interested in the kind of person we can yet become than in the kind of person we used to be, huh? While indeed taking our sins seriously, no doubt, whether mortal or venial sins, here's the thing, John Paul says, God never, ever, ever takes those sins as the last word. Why? Because he knows he's made us in his image and likeness. He knows he calls us constantly to a life of his sanctifying grace. And he knows he is our God, who is bigger than any sin we might ever commit, even the most hideous or wicked mortal sin. So there you have it. Mercy and, and love are equated by St. John Paul II. It's, it, mercy is who God is. It's love's second name. And we know that 1 John 4 says God is love. Huh? God is love. And so we can equate his greatest attribute, many of the church fathers like Ambrose and Augustine, John Chrysostom, etc., Ignatius of Antioch, another one, they all called God's mercy his greatest attribute, the greatest attribute of the God who is love. So it would make sense that you would have a, a more modern-time Holy Father who can actually equate those then, mercy and love, together. So great, great question. Yeah. Kind of tied to this, Tom, I might add again, is uh, our next week's springboard topic is the importance of living eternity-minded, mm. because we kind of esteem the month of November as, as the month of the holy souls in purgatory, the church suffering, the church penitent, but we also kick it all off on November 1st with the members of the church triumphant in heaven. So that's our goal, right? In fact, even the holy souls in purgatory, they are assured heaven, right? So I want to talk about the importance of living eternity-minded, not in a morose, macabre kind of way, but in a, in a very joyful, um, forward-looking kind of way. So tune in next week, you Open Line listeners, Open Line Tuesday listeners, uh, next week on um, the importance of living eternity-minded for our last Tuesday in November. Father, could you leave us with your blessing, please? I certainly will, Tom. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us. And a quick P.S. here. Barbara just uh, jumped in and says, I am grateful for our veterans. I can certainly uh, second that emotion. And I Amen. know that you can as well, Father. Thank you so much. Check out the encore of this program, 10 p.m. Eastern tonight, or by going to Podcast Central, EWTN.com. On behalf of our fantastic team, I'm Tom Price along with Father Wade. And we will see you next time right here on EWTN. God bless.